This is episode 62 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast, where we will be talking about the new series that we're going through over on kindredmom.com titled, It Takes a Village. I think everybody can relate to the idea that it takes a village to have the support and the friendship and the camaraderie needed to get through these years of parenting that can be so challenging in so many ways. But not everybody has a built-in village where they live. Maybe you've been through a transition or have moved to a new place and aren't yet connected to a number of other people who you have that camaraderie with. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about some of the challenges that come with wanting to be connected Connected and not really being sure how to do that and how to prioritize building friendships in the midst of a really busy season of life. Today's guest is Leslie Verner, and she is an author of a book all about hospitality, which is just one angle of finding and cultivating a village. She has a lot of really wonderful insights. Her book is fantastic. I hope that you'll have a chance to pick it up and read it for yourself. I really enjoyed it and enjoyed this conversation with her. As we are launching into this series, there's a lot more to see over on the blog, and I hope you'll have a chance to check it out this month. We'd love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook and just thank you so much for tuning in to the show. We are back again with another episode of the Kindred Mom podcast and this episode is called It Takes a Village and we're going to be talking about what it looks like to have community circles of friends really support in this season of motherhood. And today, Lindsay Cornett is joining me. And we also have a new member of our Kindred Mom team that we invited to join in the fun with us. And that is Mary-Kate Brown. Mary-Kate, welcome. Thank you, Emily. I'm so excited to be here with both of you. Lindsay, I'm glad that you're here as well. Yay, Mary-Kate. And um, so just because you're new, you have been on the podcast before, I will say, so people can go back in the archives and find that um, episode if they're interested. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but I'd love for you to just give a little introduction of yourself and your family so they have somewhere to place you in their minds of what stage of motherhood you're in and maybe what's going on in your life right now. Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm Mary Kate, and my husband and I met when we were in high school. We are originally from the Chicago suburbs, and just this spring moved to um, Grand Rapids, Michigan, which we're really excited about. And we have three daughters. They're three, five, and seven, which is just crazy to me because I don't know when I <laughs> had a seven-year-old when that happened. <laughs> but we're just like, what's going on? They're so old now. Um, and we homeschool. Um we're really excited. We're um, actually getting ready to purchase our first home here. And um, we're just really excited about that because it's just really on our hearts to um, just have a little family homestead with, you know, um, some chickens and a big garden and things like that. And just really being able to kind of use that as like a learning opportunity for our kids. So we're just kind of like on the start of this new season in our family that we're really excited about, but it's also just incredibly busy. So yeah. <laughs> well, we're really glad to have you. And Lindsay, you can jump in because I know you just left Grand Rapids. So I know that was a, a tips I passing did. in the night sort of situation. But um, you guys have the opportunity to get to know each other through our Kindred Mom stuff that we're doing together. And uh, <laughs> Anyway, just to launch into this episode, we're going to talk about our villages and being connected with other people in the midst of this motherhood season. I feel like there are a lot of challenges to being connected with other people, just logistically with the needs of our children, nap times, and how exhausted we all are. (laughs) But I also have experienced myself a, a couple of years ago, I had a stretch that was just really marked by significant loneliness. Like it was really eating away at my soul to not have connections with other women, especially, um, but even families, you know, having a family over for dinner or things like that wasn't happening as much. And it was part of what prompted me to start Kindred Mom because I then had moved into a season of having these rich, beautiful relationships in a community of women in my local area. And I know that there's a lot of women who don't necessarily 
necessarily have those connections or that sense of support and camaraderie. And um, even though online and through a podcast is admittedly sort of a cheap substitute for what you could have in person, it's something. (laughs) So I wanted to do something to encourage moms who are really just in the throes of all the motherhood challenges. So I'd love to open our conversation just talking about community, why it's important, and maybe what it has looked like in your lives this past year since both of you are in transition times. And I know your new communities are not where you're completely connected yet. But maybe this past year or two, uh, what community has looked like for you? Yeah, well, community is one of those things that I think when you have had it and experienced how rich and wonderful it can be, it can be really scary to then lose it or for something to change. You know, for us, our time in Grand Rapids, we were there for about four years and it was really, really rich with wonderful community. My husband had some awesome coworkers, but primarily we just were super fortunate in the awesome neighbors that we had right around our home. And now as we are recording this, we Mm -hmm. have not even arrived at our new home yet, but we're getting ready to move to Indianapolis to a new city. And it admittedly feels a little scary um, to not know what community will look like in our next season. But at the same time, I have hope, you know, because when we moved from Florida to Michigan, we didn't know what community was going to look like. And God was so faithful and we just felt Mm -hmm. like he took care of us so much in that way that I have a lot of hope for what the next season will look like. But also because I've experienced... um, really great hospitality. I have been the benefit of it. And so I'm hopeful that I will have some opportunities to maybe share it with other people and maybe build community that way. Um, And I will probably talk a little bit more about what that might look like for moms in different seasons to build community. But for me, it's just so important. I... I have just benefited from it in so many ways that now I have this sense that like, I don't ever want to live without it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely have to agree um, with Lindsay in the sentiment of how it can be a little bit scary to have something in your life that's so beautiful and rich and then like being called to move on away from it and wondering like, are we going to find the same thing in this new place? And, um, you know, We um, were super fortunate back in the Chicago suburbs to, you know, be a part of a really, really rich community through our homeschool group. That was just funny how it even started. We, it was a group of us moms, maybe about 12 of us, and we all kind of connected online through this, um, like, it's like a global homeschool community. And just 12 of us moms living in the south suburbs of Chicago found each other, you know, on Facebook. And we just started meeting up each week, like typically in the woods <laughs> with our kids. And our original yeah. intention was just like, we need to get our kids around other kids their age, you know, like not just in the summers, yeah. but during the school year when all the other kids at the parks are in school. <laughs> and um, we just really found like, a really, really rich community there. And it went from just like our kids getting together on Wednesday mornings to hang out to like Friday night, you know, mom's nights and then weekend long family camps. And I don't know, just those women have become like the people I turn to when the kid has the bump on the head or gets stung by a bee or any need, like, you know, that's, that's our community. And so moving away from that was a little bit nerve wracking, but we just kept reminding ourselves, my husband and I, like, you know, if we feel the Lord calling us, you know, away from here to the next place, we just have to believe that he's got something just as rich for us in our, in our new home. So we're kind of excited to see like kind of what Lindsay is saying, being in that transition space of like, you know, going from something that's good to the, to the next thing that we know has to be mm-hmm. good too. So, yeah, I think it is a, an uncertain place to be when it's not established and comfortable. And I guess I just want to talk a little bit from a general perspective about um, how important community is, not just to make you feel good, <laughs> but also like just the, <laughs> the real support of a community and what that brings in my life in the past year, it's been a really significant change the way I see community and really have opened myself up in a vulnerable way just to say that these are my needs and allowing a community to come around. And the one thing I love uh, about how community shows up for an individual in their time of need is really that 
it's such an overwhelming task. If there were to be one person that would swoop in and like clean your house and make your meals and like they would not be able to sustain that (laughs) for more than maybe one day, um, even if they want to. But the small efforts of a whole group of people who have touch points with you and check in and see where you're at and what you need, you know, there's just a lot of dynamics there that are unexpectedly wonderful and also really vulnerable. Mm. Um, I think in building community and in a village, I know that there are some people who just feel like they don't necessarily have that village, which there can be a lot of reasons for that. But for me, I know that it has only gotten better the more that I have vulnerability. Can we talk about that? (laughs) Because I think especially when you're on the side (laughs) having to ask for help out of necessity, um, that's especially difficult. And that's where I've been the last year. So I'm like, I'm ready to be done with this part. (laughs) I really want to go back to being the one who gives and serves and shows up. And I want to be the A plus friend, you know? (laughs) But Yeah. yeah, it's really hard. I, um, I don't have a lot of trouble asking for help. And maybe that's because I don't know why, because I like to give help or because other people have, have been willing to, to help with mm-hmm. various things in the past. But I know like for my husband, he really doesn't like to ask for help. It's really hard for him to reach out to somebody and say, Hey, can you come over and help me move this piece of furniture? Or I need to ride somewhere or whatever the case may be. But I've just had a lot of conversations with him over the years about the fact that if we don't ask for help, we're like less likely to have opportunities to offer it as well. I think when you find the right people, there's a bit of a give and take there. And sometimes I feel a little self-conscious or I have in our last community where we didn't have any family nearby. So we were relying on our neighbors a lot for whatever we needed, whether that was babysitting or help moving furniture, like I was just saying, or whatever it might have been. But we didn't always have as many opportunities to offer help because they did have family nearby. And so I I just kind of learned over time to like look for opportunities to help, whether that was just bringing someone's trash can up from the curb or dropping off a meal that they could stick in their freezer or whatever the case may be. I tried to just be really intentional about looking for opportunities to help people. And then that, I don't know, I feel like you you sometimes have to take the first mm-hmm. step to create the kind of culture that you want in your friend group. And so I think that that can be helpful. But I also try to preach to myself a lot. It's so funny, just back in episode 60, we talked a little bit about Brene Brown and this idea of vulnerability and that it's a requ- it's really like a requirement to building authentic relationships. But I have to remind myself of that a lot, that when I am honest about my needs, then hopefully other people feel comfortable mm-hmm. around me to be honest with me about their needs as well. Sometimes I think maybe we have to take the first the first step, but it is, it is hard. It can be really, really hard, especially if you're still in that sort of awkward getting to know you phase. I was wondering if you guys feel like you have different circles of friends that add different things to your life. We had a long stretch of loneliness and disconnectedness from any group of any kind. And now we're plugged into a church. We have a really thriving homeschool group. And over time, that has really developed where I have kind of little circles that I go to for different aspects of my longing to connect with people. Do you guys have a sense of a couple of different circles like that? Or do you have just one friend group or what does that look like? I think this is something that I I kind of had to learn as an adult, that it's okay to have different friends in different circles, that not every friendship mm-hmm. or relationship kind of has to operate at the same level. There's a woman, an author and a researcher. Her name is Shasta Nelson. And I actually heard her a very long time ago on mm-hmm. one of the very first episodes of Jen Hatmaker's podcast. And maybe we can link to that episode in the show notes. But she um, studies female friendships. She does a lot of research and surveys and looks into how women make friends and what makes those friendships long lasting and strong. And she's got a couple books about it as well, which maybe we can link to. But when I listened to her on that podcast episode, she talked about this idea of friendship circles and how for a friendship to really endure, it often needs like more than one environment to grow in. So she talked about how you may make a really, really good friend at your job. And then when you leave that job, that 
friendship kind of goes away and you feel sad about that. But because you Mm -hmm. didn't develop the friendship ever outside of that work context, it doesn't really have a different environment in which to grow. And I just had, I think about that all the time. It was such an aha moment for me because I did have that sense that like I had somehow lost some friendships. But when I thought about it, like the environment that those friendships existed in had gone away. And so it made sense and it felt, it took some of the pressure off of my shoulders, I guess, to make every friendship equal. Um, In Grand Rapids, you know, I had our neighbors that were our friends. We had some friends from church. And then I also joined a political advocacy group and made some friends in there. My husband had some friendships with people from work. And yeah, all of those friendships looked a little different. All of those friendships played different roles. You know, I wasn't borrowing sugar or exchanging childcare with the women from my political group, but I was doing those things with other friends. And so I do think that's really important. And I think it takes a little thinking outside the box probably too, right? Like how can we create some additional circles of friendship or where might those be? I think that there, to some extent, yeah. it probably varies by personality. Mm-hmm. You might be like a quantity over quality person, or some people might be a quality over quantity person. But for me, I have found that when I've got kind of multiple circles of friendship happening, it does kind of enrich enrich my life, especially when I can sometimes get too caught up in the, just the mundane tasks of having lots of little children at home. Even just thinking in my own life, I would have to say that I don't really know that I notice many different mm-hmm. different friendship circles. Like Lindsay is giving examples just from different um like places where she's made friends. I will say that I just have noticed that some of my deepest and most intimate friendships that I have happen to be with people that we've lived a lot of life together, which I don't, I don't know if that's super common or, or quite rare, but the mom friends I have that I tend to turn to on a weekly basis, um, or regular basis, or even when things just get really, really hard, the first people I think to go to are the ones that I've known like long before I had children and we've just been able to grow together as mothers, which I just really feel like is such a gift when I reflect on that because, you know, we knew each other in high school (laughs) and we're friends then. And we've just been able to really grow, grow up together and go through these different phases and stages of life at the same time. And, um, just learn from each other's examples and from each other's mistakes and from each other's victories and things like that. So I don't, I can't necessarily pinpoint like different circles, but I can pinpoint that some of my deepest, um, most intimate friendships are with the people that I've known for years. A lot of the other moms that I have become friends with because I'm a mom, because we, you know, have kids and that's, that was our first common connection. It's not that they're not good or that they're not deep. It's just, it's just at a different place and, and a different level of, I don't know if that makes sense, yeah, but it does. <laughs> um, I think there are a few things that are required for friendships to kind of move from maybe a more superficial or beginning stage of friendship uh, to that deeper space. And a lot of that is when you have some history behind you. And I don't necessarily think you have to have years. That's your experience and completely valid. Sure. I know that at least a couple of the closer people in my life have been new in the last two or three years in my life, but there is still some shared history <laughs> in those two or three years, which I think just shows that I know I just, I've been thinking about the idea of how proximity and actual just time together influences how our friendships develop and how our community Mm -hmm. develops. Because the group that I usually do um, read through books with or have like an evening, a dessert evening with women gathering together. Some people might remember on the podcast a while back, uh, we had Sarah Allard, who's been my very close local friend for at least a decade. (laughs) And we just regularly put on these events that are just open to anyone. And there's kind of a core group of people who always come. And then there's usually one or two, maybe three people who are coming for the first time and just trying to find a place to connect. And is this my tribe or is this not? And it's been a really amazing thing to see how friendships have formed out of that, just because these regular events that you could count on once a month and everybody shows up and even people who I might not have hit it off in another context, but I see them every month for a year. They 
somehow become my friends. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny how that happens yeah. that kind of putting the the seed in the soil and there's the water and there's the sunshine and then you have something growing there. So I guess I'd love to talk about just how do you get in the same place with other people? I think that probably involves hospitality or some level of intention of putting yourself in a certain place to connect with a group of people or to open a space. What does hospitality look like for you in this season of motherhood? Something that I just am reminded of in this whole conversation and just you talking about proximity, Emily, I listened to this, I don't know, like a talk that was given by her name's uh, Dr. Kelly Brogan. She works with women in all stages of life, just with like emotional things. And like she counsels them and she was talking about the village and community. And it was really eye-opening for me because she just kind of went back to where like society would have looked like for our ancestors, you know, living in a very close knit community. And you had moms and grandmothers and aunts and sisters and people all around you all the time. And when someone has a baby, they're immediately, they already have the village around them. They don't have to really go out and seek the village. The village is there supporting them. They're never alone. They're never by themselves. They have all the wisdom surrounding them that they could ever need. And it was just really interesting to me that she was pointing this out because we're moms in a culture where, you know, in America, it's very common for us to all live in our own home. We don't have our parents living with us or our sisters or aunts, (laughs) even living in the same town or the same state as us. And so it's, crucially important because never in our history as people have we been as isolated as we are now. And so it definitely takes that extra effort to go out and find our village and find our community. I think for us, like at first I was so intimidated as a new mom when I had a baby because it was just so hard to even get out of the house, like in a reasonable amount of time and making sure we have all the things needed. And then you add a tod, you know, a a newborn to a toddler, you have two kids. And it's just Mm -hmm. like you said at the beginning of the episode, logistically, it can be so difficult, (laughs) but even just getting out like libraries and parks, I feel like were my Mm -hmm. first place where I was able to go in like a safe spot. They were familiar. They were right near my home and just being able to connect with moms there and see like what kind of came of that slowly, but surely, you know, some of the relationships I was talking about with some of the moms that I've known for a really long time. That's where I started to see we've known each other for a long time. And we actually have a lot in common in our mothering styles. Like I know you mentioned that too, Emily, in this episode that it can be difficult. Um, like if there's like differences of opinion or, (laughs) and now like everyone's got an opinion on how the right way is to parent, but you know, (laughs) but it's, but you know, when, when I realized like, Hey, you know, it was good. I realized getting out locally was good. And then for me, like it was connecting with some of those friends that I had for a while, even though they lived 30 minutes away, I realized like, the value and the effort it took to get things on the calendar to say, Hey, let's meet up here at this park or let's meet up at your house. And there was also like comfort in that because, you know, a friend could come over with her three kids to my house where I have three kids and laundry's out and dishes are in the sink from yesterday, but it doesn't really matter because I'm like, I don't really need to make an impression on you. We already have history together. You already know me. And so the value was just in, Hey, we're going to do what it takes to get together, no matter what that looks like, because we have a lot of similar values. And, um, it was just in those times, like not worrying about, you know, all the little details like of, of what was going on in our lives. It was just, no, the importance is we get together, we make it happen. And um, from there, just like those relationships grew um, deeper and deeper. And so even though our village isn't, you know, the person next door to me, yeah. you know, the person who lives quite a bit of ways away from me, it's just, we just see the value in prioritizing, you know, our time together as friends and whatever that looks like. Yeah. I think time is such an important component of it because, you know, Mary Kate, you're talking about some friendships you have that have endured for a really long period of time. And Emily, you've talked about just the consistency factor. And I think that friendship just requires time, whether it is, you know, years and years and years, or whether it's just a standing date once a week or once a month. I do think that that time is really important. I feel like sometimes we 
we attempt one play date or we attempt one coffee date and it doesn't go well. And then we assume that that friendship's not going to work out. And I think there's value in persevering a little bit longer to see mm-hmm. what can develop over time. You know, my um, now former next door neighbor hosts a play group at her house every single Friday morning. And there are some weeks where no one shows up, but she's just committed to being there every single Friday mm-hmm. morning. And of course, things come up now and again. But she made a little Facebook group and anyone she knows that she thinks would like to come to the Friday play group, she adds them to the Facebook group. And then every Thursday, she posts whether or not play group is happening. And she has just made this a regular practice. And I have been, I have benefited from it so much when I had first moved to the neighborhood and I knew no one. At least I had one thing on my calendar each week where I knew I could go with my kids. And it made such a difference for me. And I know it's made such a difference yeah. for other women. And it's just a matter matter of consistency. You know, it's nothing fancy, but it is consistent. And I think that 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 makes a huge difference. One very small thing that I've started doing on the hospitality front is I have just taken to adding a jar of salsa and a bag of tortilla chips into my grocery cart every single week. And then I know it is in my pantry every single week and it's a crowd pleaser and it requires zero effort from me. I just dump the salsa into a bowl and, and that's it. But, and it costs less than $3 at Aldi, right? It's super, super easy. But then I know that if someone wants to come over or if I have some, if it's a morning when I don't know what me and the kids are going to be up to, I can invite someone and know that I have a snack that almost anyone can eat. And that's just like a super simple thing. But I'm not, I don't feel like hospitality is my natural Mm -hmm. gift. You know, I don't really like small talk. I feel awkward. I just don't think it's something I'm super great at, but I just feel committed to making it happen because I do, like we were talking about earlier, I so value and want the community. Um, And I think that, yeah, we don't really need something fancy. We just need a little bit of space and kind of a commitment to, express an interest in another person, you know, whether she's a mom or not. Um, and I think that that, that commitment and that consistency can just go a really long yeah. way. And I have found that it's very, very rare. I don't even know if I could find an example of someone who I have gone out of my way to try to connect with or invite into my life that has not responded. It doesn't necessarily mean that every one of them turns into my very best friend in the world, but I just think it's lovely when you are someone who invites others in. And even though I also have never felt like I am really that gifted at hospitality, creating the space and opportunity to connect, I think is most of the way there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because I think there's a lot of people dealing with loneliness and feeling disconnected from others just because of how our society is set up and the demands and requirements of motherhood and Um, I had asked on uh, a Facebook group. It's actually the Mama Strong Facebook group that I joined because I joined the Mama Strong Fitness Program, which is a whole other topic, but I'll tell you sometime. (laughs) Um, It's such an encouraging group and a really gentle fitness program for moms who are postpartum and dealing with core strength issues like myself. (laughs) So that's just a tiny little plug. But in this group, um, a couple of gals were just sharing their experiences with hospitality and um, finding their village. And so I wanted to share a couple of their ideas because um, I think they're very practical. And Sarah said that one of her best village experiences was when she had connected with four other stay-at-home moms and they were all just really needing breaks from the mundane that stuff. And so they would get, gather one morning a week uh, at one mom's house and had a rotation where two moms would go for a couple of hours just to do whatever they wanted to do, get coffee, go to an appointment, you know, just have a little bit of space while the other ones stayed and cared for the kids together, which I've had. That is brilliant. Yes, I've had variations of something like that in my past more distant past than recent, but um, I feel like when you can join forces with other people and share those kinds of burdens, um, just when you need a little space, or I think for me this last year, it's mostly been those appointments, (laughs) trying to get somewhere and not wanting to take a billion (laughs) children with me. So that's a really awesome idea. 
Emily was sharing uh, some, I, she shared this story about uh, her neighbor because her husband travels extensively for work. And so she's often home with her kids without his support directly there. And she said that uh, one evening she had gone to a party with her kids and her older child was kind of in complete meltdown mode after they returned home from that. And her neighbor came out of her house and started knitting on her front porch. So Emily had said, would you mind keeping an eye on the little one while I help my meltdown child through this? And the neighbor said, that's why I came out here. It sounded like your hands were full. And she said specifically that simple gesture meant that she could tune in to what the other child needed Mm -hmm. from her. And that that made her feel really especially held and seen by her neighbor, which is just such a small gesture, but also really important in that moment when you don't know how you're going to do both things, watch a toddler and help an older child. And so I loved that story. Um, and the last thing I wanted to share from that was from Shay. Uh, she was just talking about how at first in motherhood felt like you know, she wanted to try to handle everything herself, all of the roles that she had working, being a wife, being a mom. And then she learned after having her second baby that she just really needed to say yes every time someone offered to help or kind of enter into her space. And um, one of the things that I love that she said uh, is to not underestimate the internet community of moms because, yes, it's obviously wonderful to have local friends who will step in for physical support uh, in this season, but groups on Facebook and other places online uh, really are a place where I have learned a lot. So she just mentioned not to underestimate the internet community of moms, which I absolutely love since we are a community for moms online Mm -hmm. and longing for a village, I think is a very common experience. And also there's just challenges to that. If you're someone who has that longing and you just spend a lot of time at home or feeling isolated, sometimes being the one to take a step. And I just, I feel like every mom that I have reached out to when I am lonely because I want to connect with someone, they're like, oh, me too. I really want to connect. You know, it it really doesn't have to be fancy. I think one of you said that a little bit earlier in the show. It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be fancy at all just to encourage like you're encouraging the moms that it doesn't have to be anything um fancy and I also just want to add to that and say I don't even think it has to be anything super planned out either I think sometimes we get into our heads like okay we have to look at our schedules and clear calendars and coordinate with so-and-so and like plan a date you know but honestly some of the best times that we've I've had with other friends and even my husband and I like with um, couple friends have been completely spontaneous and so I just want to encourage even though you may have a bunch of little kids at home or the friend you want to reach out to has a bunch of kids and a full schedule like just for an example you know we just moved here to Grand Rapids and um, we've made some small connections at our local church and um one of the families we've connected with lives like five minutes down the road from us. Well, both of us live within a half an hour from the beach. And on a Friday night, I, I made a bunch of taco meat and um, I was gonna make taco salads. And I had the idea, you know, why don't we go eat it at the beach? You know, that would be super fun and get the kids out to play outside and we can just have dinner on the beach. And then I had the brilliant idea to call our friends that live five minutes from the house to see if they want to come. And I thought they probably can't make it. They've got little, little ones, their bedtimes in a couple of hours. But to my surprise, they were totally all in. And she was thrilled because they didn't have to plan dinner that night. They just showed up and we had an amazing time together on the beach having taco salad. So sometimes like the spontaneous things turn out to be the really beautiful moments of connection too. So don't like dismiss that and don't make it like a big deal in your head. Like it has to be this really big planned out thing. It can be totally last minute. I agree. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about that is um, Sarah Allard that I mentioned, we do the events that we've opened up for women together. And the reason that has worked really well is because she and I love spending time together. And so even if nobody else shows up, we know that the two of us will be there, (laughs) you know? And Brilliant. (laughs) Even just deciding as one person, we together want to create a space to invite people in. First of all, it's a little bit less scary to do it that way (laughs) Um, because it's not just you kind of getting ready for people to come over and not knowing if they're going to come. If one friend shows up, it's it's meaningful time. And so um, that's my just one small tip is join forces with somebody. And if you know you both will be there, then it won't be a disappointment. So. 
All right, ladies, got to wrap this up, but thanks so much for your thoughts. And Mary-Kate, welcome to our team. We're excited to have you. And uh, we'll talk more soon. Yeah, thanks again. Bye, ladies. We've been talking a lot about hospitality and cultivating a village in the previous part of this episode, and now I'm really pleased to announce the interview with Leslie Werner, who is the author of Invited. And Leslie, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Emily. I am really excited to have you on because I've been reading your book and just so impressed with the insights that you have about the importance of community and how to cultivate it. I would love for you to just start by sharing a little bit about your family and how you have become so passionate about this topic. So I have uh, three children. They are Mm -hmm. two, four, and six, about to be three, five, and Mm -hmm. seven at the end of the summer. And we live in Colorado and um, I, we moved out here about four years ago from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And before that, I had lived in China before I got married. And so a lot of my thoughts about hospitality developed as I've transitioned from living in China for five years as a mm-hmm. single person to, you know, back to Chicago where, where I had actually lived before I lived in China. Yeah. and. Um, just kind of thinking through what uh, transition looks like in different cultures and then also within the United States and also as a mom and how that impacts community and hospitality and things like that. So that's a very basic answer, but yeah. I can obviously go deeper. Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, what I love about your book is that it's it's about hospitality, but it's not necessarily about the fine details of it, like how to mm-hmm. make a tablescape and how to yeah. prepare your home, that mm-hmm. it's much more about the vision for and the passion for connecting people and kind of how that cultivates a fabric of life that is really meaningful. And so I'd love for you to just share about why you think hospitality matters, even for moms who are kind of in the stages of parenting that can be really overwhelming, <laughs> mm-hmm. and really why it's something that we should prioritize even when life is crazy. One thing that I noticed when I lived overseas was how um, hospitality just seemed to be a natural way of life for people, and mm-hmm. um, and so I as I we moved back as I moved back to the West. Um, you know, in it, living in America, I started just kind of observing how it's it's not so much a natural part of our culture. Um, mm-hmm. There's like the people that say they feel gifted in hospitality, and then it's like the the people on the other side are like, "That's not for me. That's mm-hmm. not that's not what I'm about." And yet, hospitality is really uh, crucial to developing community. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I just kind of started asking questions about you know what if what if we in the West did start de- um, developing more of a habit of hospitality in our life? Mm-hmm. So um, the book starts out with a story about having a family over and it was just an absolute disaster, which it was, and that was not an outlier. Like that was right. the norm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, we had been inviting people over and, you know, my kids at that time were, even younger than they are now. And it's not, it's not like it's gotten that much easier, right. but you know, after having people over and they had kids and they ended up leaving early cause it like people, kids were screaming and it was just a disaster. I was like, why, Yeah, why am I even doing this? You know? And, um, yeah, it was almost like I heard this audible voice. I mean, not really, but I just felt like God was like, you do it anyway. You know, like you yeah. just, you just do it because when you do it, it's not about everything going perfectly. It's not about, um, you know, people having really deep conversation all the time and mm-hmm. um, having a beautiful table or, you know, an elaborate meal. It's really about connecting. And that's what that's what we are all longing for, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so a lot of hospitality and a lot of this book is just me kind of confronting my own discomfort with it sometimes. And yeah. Um, overcoming some of those barriers and then just recognizing that in the end, it's really about the people and it's about connecting mm-hmm. with others. And um, yeah, we, we experienced a lot of loneliness when we moved from Chicago to Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know, I think part of it is, is because of the stage of life we're in. It, it's not like a great stage of life for, 
forming lifelong friendships like college or, yeah. you know, cert- or like when you're, if you're single and you, you're connecting, you know, when you're 22 when you, years old. When you have more yeah. available time, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. yeah. And those were lonely years too. I mean, yeah. there's, there's loneliness no matter what um, yeah. in life. And so I don't want to devalue that, but, um, but like a time of life when you are just so scattered and you have no energy. Um, my husband's an introvert and I'm more extroverted, but kind of like probably in the middle introvert, extrovert. Yeah. And so he's just sapped like a lot of the time. Like he's like, I've, I've no more hmm. energy to give. Um, and yet I think we long for those relationships, especially because, you know, we're with little people and we, um, we do feel lonely. So I think hospitality is, is just a really crucial part of developing the relationships that we are all longing for. Yeah. And so also towards the beginning of your book, you were talking about how we kind of have a culture of people who are wanting to go and do other things in other places and kind of have these visions of either being missionaries or having adventures off somewhere in another land, which I am all for travel. I'm all for experiencing mm-hmm. different parts of the world and stuff. But I really, really love what you said about what if we weren't made for more after all? What if we were made for this and the life that is around us and the community that we're set in to make a deep investment there instead of being locked away in our own life that is really girded by individualism and our privacy and our independence, which you talk about in that part of the book as well. And I'm just curious how these ideas have shaped your presence in your current community, how you involve your kids in the process of being willing to stay and invest deeply where you are, as opposed to thinking about someday being able to go or even right now making yourself busy with all the things that could take up your time in place of your value for hospitality. I've kind of struggled with this, like, I don't know if you want to call it like a theology of place, but um, my whole life, you know, because mm-hmm. um, since I was in high school, I, I wanted to be a goer and I wanted to be the person that does you know, lives a radical life Mm -hmm. and doesn't settle for, you know, the white picket fence life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I recognize that was not a lot of people. Um, And so for me, for me, I think I've had to go through a lot of um, kind of just soul searching to realize that really wherever we are, Mm -hmm. um, we can build relationships, we can develop community, we can see God at work. Um, if we, if we kind of can change our mindset mm-hmm. and start looking for those deeper relationships and opportunities. And so, yeah, for us, I think, you know, we, when we first moved to Colorado, we rented a house for a couple years, which was great. Um, and then we bought our first house, um, two years ago. And so, you know, a lot of people maybe can never buy a house. Um, and, but some people bought houses when they were, you know, 28 and I was 38. So I felt like for me, it was the first time ever that I had put down any kind of roots in the United States because we had always rented in Chicago. And it just, it kind of changed my mindset to think about being somewhere longer than two years and to start thinking about like, what will, what will this community look like 10 years from now or 20 years from now? Honestly, I'm not that type of person that, that wanted to live in one place for 20 years. And so I had to kind of overcome some of that, like, Mm -hmm. but this is not, this is not romantic. This is not adventurous. This is, you know, um, and yet I feel like the depth of relationships that are possible go deeper with every year. And so, um, I, I look forward to that and I, that excites me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this year we, built like some raised beds in the, this little strip of land we have in the front yard. Cause that was the best sun. But for me, it felt like kind of a, like physical, like literally putting roots in the ground of right. like, we're, we're building this here. We're going to plant things. Um, other parts of our yard, we've planted plants that are going to come back every year. Um, mm-hmm. and it's worth investing in that. And so kind of with every like physical, planting that we've done, it's been kind of more of a, maybe emotional and spiritual symbol for me Mm -hmm. of like just committing to a place and um, the people in that place. And so I think that's exciting. I mean, I think it's, 
you know, not, and for me, it, it's always been kind of also a, um, a challenge to still have roots and still have that mentality, even if I was renting or even if I didn't know how right. long I was going to live. So, so I think that we shouldn't wait until we own a house in a neighborhood. You know, I think yeah, for sure. no matter what stage of life we're in, we, we can do that. Um, yeah. I mean, we lived in Chicago. I lived in Chicago for four years uh, with roommates before I went to China. And I remember we painted around the third year. We got permission from our landlords. But I just remember thinking, I wish we had done this the first year. Yeah. Like I wish we had tr- we had acted like we were staying for a long time right away instead of waiting until, oh, well, it's like, okay, we've been here three years, like we're tired of this, this paint color. You know what I mean? So it's just do it now. (laughs) Yeah, it is really hard, I think, to just psychologically put yourself in a place if you know that you're not going to be there indefinitely. Like we have lived in the same house for 10 years and I don't Mm -hmm. have pictures hung on the wall (laughs) because I'm always like, well, we might move and I don't know why, but it's just so hard to commit to what's going to be there if it's just going to come down. And what's funny is we're not even planning to move soon. So every, I think every Mother's Day or something, I think, oh, I'm going to just, I'm going to get all the frames on Mother's Day. I'm going to make the wall and (laughs) it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But yeah, I love your thoughts about that. And I'm just curious if, um, well, you have a couple of things you share in your book that are mottos in your family. And I just wanted to highlight those because I thought they were really good. One of them was when in doubt, choose community. And the other is err on the side of general generosity. And so on Kindred Mom, we did a whole series last year about cultivating our family culture. So I love how you have woven ideas of what you value as a family, not just as an individual into your book. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to talk about how you involve your kids in the process of hospitality and how you teach them these values um, and pass them on. Our kids would have people over every single night mm. if we if we if we left yes. next to them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if other children are that way. My my kids tend to be pretty extroverted, and so maybe not every kid would be like that. But we have to kind of hold back, and um, yeah. And I think they. I mean, they they also know I've written this book, and they they've actually given me a guilt trip a few times yeah. already. Mom, you know <laughs> we're like, supposed to be extending hospitality. Like, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. So uh, even my daughter, one time she was petting this dog that I, she wasn't supposed to be petting because it was some stranger's dog. Yeah. And she hadn't asked and she, she was four years old and she's like, mommy, yeah. I was just inviting oh. like your book says. <laughs> oh, awesome. like, okay. Not quite what I meant for that to be, but yeah, yeah I think, um, yeah, I think the more that we have people in our home and life, like it just becomes the culture for our children. And so you know, I did grow up, I didn't focus on this a ton in my book because mm-hmm. I didn't want people to be like, oh, well, Leslie grew up in this hospitable home. So it was easy for her because um, that's not the case. But my parents were very hospitable and we did have people over a lot. We had people live with us. And so for me, I think it became this natural thing mm-hmm. that this is just something that you do. Mm-hmm. And so I think as our kids see that we're um, inviting people over and, um, not having a perfect house. I mean, even my son actually gives me a hard time for sweeping before Mm -hmm. people come. He's like, mommy, it does not have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you feel like you have to clean before? I mean, he's the one reminding me (laughs) and he's six years old, you know? And, um, I don't go crazy with cleaning because I, I just know it's going to get destroyed. <laughs> so, um, especially having families with other kids. about your pre-guest routine. <laughs> yeah, right. I, it's, it lasts about 15 minutes, honestly. It's not, it's not extensive. But um, yeah, and I think giving them jobs, you know, having them set the table, having them, you know, make... If I mean, we don't do anything formal, so we don't do name cards or anything. But you, you could, you know, if you were have if you were having people for Thanksgiving or something a little bit more formal, have kids, you know, just get involved. I they love that and um, are helping with the meal, which is never helpful. But yeah. you know, just being like <laughs> reserve a couple things for the kids to do. Um, I think kids, kids like naturally. I mean, I know there's kids that are shy, so I, I know that maybe this is not true across the board, but I feel like kids are often more welcoming than we are and less like they're, they just have a lot less, um, walls up about people. At least my kids do. I mean, when we're out in public, they will talk to 
anybody, you know, and I, I just love that. So I'm actually taking notes from my children about how to do hospitality because they, if it was up to them, I think they'd be doing it better than I do. I loved that in chapter eight, you talked about what it looks like to offer hospitality to our children. And um, there is a quote there that you said, family is our first tier of hospitality. I'd love for you to talk about what that looks like and why it matters. You know, sometimes I think that I will get myself ready and my house ready and my food ready for others. And I don't treat my own family with the same hospitality mm. that I would treat, yeah. <laughs> which is, I mean, it feels, that feels a bit false, um, I think. And so, I, you know, maybe other people have the opposite problem. They they really focus on their kids and their husbands or their families and to the exclusion of other people that I can, I can sometimes have the opposite problem. And so, um, yeah, I was, uh, on a retreat and I happened to pick up this book by Henry Nowen and um, it was a, it was about hospitality. It was called reaching out. And he had this quote about children. And I think it's funny because he's actually a priest and he didn't have kids. And so part of me was like, what right does he have to write about kids? You know, <laughs> so yeah. what does he know? But then sometimes I'm like, I think that people without children actually can be more objective in, in a good way about, our families and our children and um, all that. So I appreciated his perspective. And so, yeah, he just, he said, our children are strangers that we need to get to know. And um, in the Bible, the word hospitality means love of strangers. And so I think, you know, as my kids are getting older, I think all anyone who has kids realizes like, they're not us. I mean, you think at first that you're going to understand them because they're going to be just like you. But as time goes on, you realize, wait a minute, like they are not like me, or maybe they are like me and I need to understand myself better to understand this child. But usually I think the case is like, oh, like what makes them tick is not what makes me tick. And I need to get to know them. And so I think it's helpful to kind of think of our children as as strangers that we need to get to know and that we need to welcome. And, um, for me, that kind of shift shifted some of my uh, mentality towards my kids and, um, the way that I treat them. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I just love that that is another angle of the value of investing in our homes because part of my challenge as a mom over the years has been that I love my kids. I love my family and want to be here and be a stable force in their lives. But I also have like these dreams and visions of things that I want to accomplish and, um, you know, stuff that's kind of beyond or outside of the family. And so trying to reconcile over the years, it's just, it's taken me a long time, longer than I care Mm -hmm. to admit to embrace the season that I'm in, the place that I'm in, um, even the enormity of the needs in my house, you know, not that I can meet every one of them, but that I am, able to posture myself in a way that is generous towards my kids, as opposed to just doing what needs to be done and moving on with it. (laughs) And uh, so I just love that idea of hospitality towards our families. And I see the less glamorous things that I do around our house that are kind of just the mundane things to keep us going as um, it's, it's helped me to enjoy that process, the more I have seen it as a creative process of creating a place of peace, creating a place where we can all flourish and grow together. And that absolutely rings of hospitality, the way that you've described it in other places in your book. And I would love to circle back around to just the idea of, I mean, the whole topic that we're going through this month on Kindred Mom is about how it takes a village. And we kind of left that intentionally ambiguous because it takes a village to fill in the blank, you know, to have Mm -hmm. a meaningful, you know, presence inside a community to flourish together as a family and for it to raise a child, you know, Um, I would love for you to talk about what the village can look like when we kind of just step outside of the cultural expectation right now that people would just have their private lives separately from each other and um, maybe draw in some of your experiences of being in cultures where there is just more of a community value in general, like everyone shares that because it seems like we really have to work hard and try very intentionally to, I don't know, step outside of our individualism. (laughs) And uh, you just, you had a lot of really awesome things in your book about that. 
I read this uh, great book called The Danish Way of Parenting, mm-hmm. um, and they talked about how when women have a baby, um, they the midwives, or I don't think they, they call them doulas, I think they were the midwives, would contact people, new moms in that mm-hmm. woman's neighborhood. So they would get together a group of women to come and help that new mom. And, um, I just love that. And I think I, like, I wish that I had had something like that. I mean, I think our churches have the potential to be that, um, or even other, you know, non, non-church groups. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's there. there if, if you if you know how to look, or if you, if you're fortunate enough to be in a community that already has kind of a, a gathering, but sometimes like we, we had just moved out here, so I didn't have that. Um, especially when we had our third child. And so I think, um, as far as like a village goes, um, it makes me think about like two things that I really have needed. And one is to be less busy. And, um, you know, I, I noticed like, so we'll sit sometimes outside in the front yard and try to meet neighbors or, you know, just kind of be mm-hmm. visible to people that, live here. I mean, not like for outreach, like just for ourselves, right. <laughs> for, you know, for selfish reasons, because we want friends and relationships. Um, but I notice a lot of my neighbors, especially once school starts, they're so busy, like especially neighbors with families. So it's like we can make ourselves available, but other people are not available. And so I think that one thing in our culture that we can do is just recognize that for every activity we take on and every new thing we sign our kids up for or ourselves mm-hmm. up for, that's crowding out uh, um, the space that we need for really other relationships. And so I think it takes some intentionality to kind of um, reserve space in our life and to not know, like, I, I don't know how I'm going to fill this these three afternoons, but to know that if a friend needs us or if we need a friend or if we want to sit out in our front yard, then like we're mm-hmm. available to have those relationships. So I think that's one thing, not that people in China weren't busy. They were super busy with school and work and things like that. And yet I felt like there was usually this value placed on relationships above tasks. Like, you know, if my phone rang and my, I was with a student cause I taught mm-hmm. um, Chinese I'm not Chinese. I taught um, English mm-hmm. to Chinese students and my phone rang. They were like, why don't you answer it? Like, they were just like, why are you here? I thought I was being polite, but they were like, why aren't you making a connection with a person that's trying to no. connect with you? Yeah. You know? So it was like this opposite, like, of course they would put their relationship above whatever they were doing at that time. And so, and then the other thing for me is I I've been trying to think more locally because I grew up in Tampa, mm-hmm. Florida and to drive across the city, it would take an hour. And, you know, people would go to church 30 minutes away. You'd go to school. Like we were bused into a different school district um, an hour away. And I mean, it was just everything yeah. was elsewhere. And so now that we live in a smaller town, we're in uh, northern Colorado. Like it's easier to have things be local. So go to the local school, you know, that's half a mile away instead of the school that's right. 30 minutes away. Um, or a, like a closer church or, you know, the grocery store that's closer. Like, I feel like that's what community is. It's visiting the same places close by in pro- your in proximity to the same people. It's, you know, I, I just feel like that that's, that's kind of more important than right. we realize in developing a community. And so, um, yeah. I mean, we, we visit other parks and we, you know, we go other places in the city. I think it's, you can also get in your little right. bubble and that's not good either. But I think that so much, we try to go all over the place to um, meet our needs and we miss out on the relationships yeah. right around us. No, I love what you said about proximity, because I think just mm-hmm. time together with another person who is friendly, even if they are not like us or not in the same stage of life as us, or we don't necessarily share a lot of mm-hmm. the same interests, that just time together getting to know someone, even if they're really different from us, um, can be really meaningful. And I've had some of the most unlikely friendships come out of just being in the same place with, at the same time every week for like our Bible study right. or, uh, you know, a church gathering 
thing or whatever it might be. And I think that when I am like kind of on the hunt for a new friend, which you know, like you just mm-hmm. kind of have in mind, like I'd love someone to do this kind of activity with or that mm-hmm. we can kind of be close minded about what we can learn from other people and how we could be really blessed in friendship with someone who may or may mm-hmm. not share the stage of life that we're in. And so mm-hmm. proximity yeah. is a huge thing, I think. Um, well, I would love to give you an opportunity to just share about your book and any other details you'd want to give our listeners, I want to encourage anyone who likes the idea of learning about hospitality or um, it's just such a good book. I am really impressed and would love for our listeners to pick it up, but I'd love for you to be able to share any more about that journey and um, encouragement you would leave with the moms in our community who are kind of slogging through the trenches of the busy early years. Two things. One is, um, I want to be mindful of people that are more introverted. And in the book, I actually say, I want, I, like, I sometimes wonder if God has different expectations for people who are introverted or extroverted as far as yeah. like giftings and hospitality goes. Um, and yet I think that introverts long for deep relationships. And so, um, you know, hospitality does not have to ha- mean having a huge group to your house. It can mean mm-hmm. having one person or it can mean, you know, going out. It doesn't even have to be in your home. Um, I don't think it's, I think, I just feel like it's kind of a posture of our, of our souls. Like, are mm-hmm. we open? Um, are we available? So I, I found, you know, I, a lot of what I've needed to be able to show hospitality is actually sometimes pulling back. It looks like, you mm-hmm. know, more like solitude or more like, kind of regrouping. And then I, I kind of get more energy and I'm able to reach out to others. So I think if we're already feeling depleted and um, like we've just absolutely nothing to give, it might be a, a season where we need to just kind of seek out the solitude that we can. And yet um, I was just talking with some people on my launch team about this actually, because there's some more introverted um members of the launch team. And they're like, I just dread hospitality. <laughs> you know, they're like, I just dread having people over. And I asked them, I said, well, how, how do you feel after? And they say they they're, they're tired, but they're happy. Like they, you know, I, it, and I always have that, that feeling like maybe 30 minutes before my guests get there of like, yeah, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> this is super stressful. Yeah. Is this even worth it? But then when they leave, okay, yes, my house is a wreck, but like, I, it feels so good, you know, like it's just to know that people were connecting. And so the other thing I would tell people is that it's, it's actually not that hard, you know, like it's all it takes is us inviting and it's, you know, maybe that just looks like sending a text message and, you know, we send a text message and we just say, Hey, you know, can you guys, I've been wanting to hang out with you. Can you come over sometime? You don't even have to like say a time or a day or, for this meal or for this activity, like you just kind of send it out and then it's done, you know, like it's kind of like it's out of your control and then it kind of gets the ball rolling and then you can worry about the details later. So I think that we and I can get caught up in like, Oh, but what will I cook and when, and how will I fit this in? And will I have energy or will it make me feel burned out? Or, you know, like we just like overanalyze it. And instead of just being like, you know what, I'm kind of lonely And I kind of like that person and I kind of want to get to know them better. Let me just invite them, you know? And so I think it's, it's as simple as an invitation. Um, That's actually the hardest and the the easiest part. I mean, it's hardest because we're putting ourselves out there for rejection, but in the end, it's actually pretty simple because it takes like 10 seconds. Yeah. One thing that I started doing a few years ago that was kind of a survival mode situation is I have to get my kids to the park pretty Mm -hmm. often because our yard uh, outside our house is just not fully fenced where there's a secure place to just send them out. And so to get energy out and to run and play, we have to go to a city park somewhere in our area. And so I started keeping uh, two collapsible chairs and like kind of one of those fold up beach blanket Mm -hmm. type things Mm -hmm. um, in my van so that whenever I go to the park, I can set up two chairs and Mm. I will either invite a friend to meet me there or sometimes, you know, 
I do occasionally introduce myself on the playground to somebody, mm-hmm. but I just feel like being prepared to have a seat for someone, that is so great. I love uh, that. especially mm-hmm. a tired mom at a park and our kids can play and we can see them, but we can also connect. Mm-hmm. For me, that's been my lifeline because at least um, like our house is small. We have a lot of bodies here with as many kids as I have. Our yard is not awesome for let's send the kids out to play right. and people should come over. So we have really busy streets on either side of us. And um, so that's been my hack for oh, I love my, that. and I always say, thing. this is my, this is my mobile living room. Yeah. And I think they're just so appreciative to have a place to sit and chat. Do you have any last minute tips for making hospitality really practical and easy? Have on hand your easy, easy meals. You know, we had people over yeah. this week, we have, we make tacos, you know, and mm-hmm. then people can yeah. put what they want or like tortilla soup same thing, yeah. you know, and that, yeah. that kind of meets a lot of the food restrictions of like no mm-hmm. dairy. And, um, if they, unless they want to add cheese, you know, so I think just already know like something easy that you can do and then don't stress over the food because right. people don't care. You know, we bought paper plates, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty into recycling and things, but I was like, you know what, <laughs> if it yeah. means that I'm going to have more people over, and it, then it's worth it to pay the extra like three bucks and, you know, maybe we Mm -hmm. can try to recycle what we can, you know? So Mm -hmm. I just think you got to do, you got to conserve the energy and, um, that you can so that you can keep inviting, you know, cause if you, if you burn yourself out, then you're not going to invite anybody over. So, um, I say just cut the corners you can cut and remember that it's about the people and Mm -hmm. people want to be invited and they feel so loved and so welcomed when they're invited. Well, thank you so much, Leslie. I would love for people to know where they can find you online, and I will include a link to your book in the show notes for this episode. But if they want to get to know you more and follow your journey, where can they find you? So the easiest way to find me is through my blog, and it's called Scraping Raisins. Mm -hmm. Um, And from my blog, you can find information about my book. You can find links Mm -hmm. to all my social media and um, just any of my latest blog posts and things I'm reading. Actually, if people sign up for my newsletter, um, they can get chapter one of my book for free. Or if they want to buy the book, um, I would love that too. Thank you so much.